The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats. Yes, hello and welcome to The Fend. This is episode eight, brought to you by George's Fine Meats. It is great to have your company we're about to sink our teeth into another episode in more ways than one. My name is Adam Hawes, and I'm joined by the one and only Tigers legend, Gary Jack. How are you, Jimmy? G'day, Adam. How are you, mate? It's great to be here again for round eight, episode eight. I must say there were some fantastic tries scored on the weekend. The sides were like some amazing tries which, uh, with this new style of football that we're playing, throwing the ball around, and you know, it's uh, certainly opened the game up. Uh, I've got a lot of issues to uh, chat over, including uh, the Kevin Proctor bites and racism uh, against the Panthers. We've also uh, talked about Paul McGregor, his final game for the Dragons. What lovely scenes they were after the game. And other roosters done. More injuries for the Chooks. Their bid for three straight premierships looking a little bit shaky. But I want to kick it off. We are six rounds from the finals, Jimmy. Do we already have our top eight? We've got Panthers, Storm, Eels, Roosters, Raiders, Knights, Sharks, Rabbitohs, in that order. And then two wins behind them, we have the Tigers in ninth place. What a surprise. And tenth place is Manly, both with six wins, 12 points. Do we already have the top eight, or can you see someone else sneaking in? I think it's pretty well set. That the first, certainly the first seven, I think there are probably three teams fighting for that, for that eighth spot. You know, the Tigers there, Manly, they're going to probably... They win a couple of games. They could push it, you know, to with South Sydney to get in that top eight. But I think the first seven t- teams are fairly well just set, set in the competition. Okay. So who do you think might jump in? Your Tigers? Well, they're a chance. Mathematically, they're a chance. Um, that They had a win on the weekend. They've got Obviously, they've got the Roosters this weekend. They need to win three of the next four. And I think they play a lot of the, uh, the top eight sides. So it's going to be tough. But... You know, where there's life, there's hope. Well, hang on. You've got Roosters, Panthers, Manly, Souths, Melbourne, Parramatta. So that game against Manly will be crucial. You want to knock them out of business. And the last round against Parramatta, that could uh, decide oh, whether you finish we'll, in ninth we'll again. Be in. No, we'll be in. Oh, come on. We'll talk, we'll talk more about the Tigers a little bit later on. But a serious issue over the weekend, of course, uh, eight half-wits were boost, booted mm. out of uh, Central Coast Stadium, the Warriors-Panthers game for allegedly making racist slurs against uh, Penrith's Indigenous winger Brent Naden, who reported it to match officials during the game. Honestly, how does this happen no, it doesn't in happen. 2020 with no. all the education we have? You just can't believe it. The NRL is threatening life bans, and so they should. Yeah. It seems entirely appropriate. Yeah, I can't believe it happens. It's 2020. To have lunatics on the sideline, like that close to the players now, and you know they knew what they were saying. It's just it's intolerable. They should be you know, ostracised, kicked out of the game for... Uh, now, for life, I think that's a pretty fair, fair summation of what they deserve. There's no room for that in our game and in any sport at all. So, you know, good on uh, Brett Naden for the way that he handled it and the way he played too. Um, not, not an easy situation, but I thought he handled it with a lot of, um, lot of style. Yeah, he certainly did. Apparently, he was rattled by what was said. Um, and, and you saw the, these guys as they were being let out of the, the stadium. They actually looked surprised. I mean, how can you be surprised about people objecting to racist mm, slurs. Mm, mm, so we'll right. wait and see what the investigation turns up. It did take the gloss off Penrith's ninth win in a row. That is a club record. Yes. So good luck to the Sharks this week as they chase 10 wins in a row, the Panthers. Yes, going for 10. And they've been the combat since 1967, those great sides in the early 90s with Alexander and Royce Simmons, Tim Sheens is the coach there. 
uh, you know, Phil Gould there. So that's a fantastic effort to, to go for their 10th win this weekend. So they're certainly doing a lot of things right. A lot of teams have dropped off. They seem to be, as far as injuries are concerned, they seem to be their injuries aren't too bad compared to a lot of other sides, say particularly the Roosters. So I think the fact that they did train all the way through is a major plus for their commitment and they're, they're certainly reap, reaping the benefits now. Yep, they sure are. Another big issue of the weekend happened at Jubilee Stadium. Kevin Proctor sent off the first player ever sent off for a bite. Now, this happened on Sean Johnson, his Kiwi teammate, who was playing for the Sharks, obviously, against the Titans. Look, you had a good look at it. What did you make of it? Was it a bite or not? Yeah, look, I had a good look at it. Initially, my first thought was, yes, it was. But having reviewed it this morning, I'm not quite sure. I really am not quite sure about what happened. Obviously, television, when they put it together, you don't see the whole story. Um, I thought certainly Johnson's come in. He's hit him high around the head, around the nose. His his arm was around his, his nose and pushing down the pressure on his face. And it, it, it you know certainly looked like his arm was there was pressure there uh, on Proctor's mouth. Um, and I'm not quite sure. I really am not quite sure. He might have been just had a bit of a brain snap and a bit of a nibble because he he stuck it in his mouth. But I I don't think he did. But. We'll soon find out. Ill, he's been referred straight to the judiciary. No surprise there at all. Uh, Sean Johnson isn't going to pursue yes. uh, the allegations, so that may help Proctor. Yes, he apologised on the field for what he'd said and what he'd done. Obviously, being teammates together, uh, Johnson's uh, he'd real. I think he might it might have been a bit of gamesmanship, just trying to get down to thirteen versus twelve. If it has, it certainly backfired on on Johnson. Um, and you know, he was very remorseful for for what had happened. He didn't want to. He didn't want to pursue it. He didn't want to push it when he when he was interviewed after the game. He just sort of let it go. Didn't yeah. want to talk about it. And the shame of it is, it was Kevin Proctor's two hundred and fiftieth game. He's been such a great servant for both the Storm and the Titans and the the Kiwi side. So, yeah, it puts a bit of a shadow over things. It's a real tricky one for the judiciary because they don't want to send the message that biting's okay. No, nah, correct. No, nah, no, nah. it's not you, a new. It's not a new thing. Jimmy happened uh, in your day. Oh, yeah, there, there was certainly my day, but maybe a little bit before my day, there was certainly there was the Phantom Biter back in the 70s. Um, that was a well-known player. It was on the front page of Rugby League Week, the Phantom Biter. That was Tommy Radonikus. Um, in my day, it was, it was around, but there wasn't a great deal of biting. But there was one significant case that came up, which I can recall. It was a major semi-final between Balmain and South Sydney in 1986. Kevin Roberts was the, the referee. And uh, captain for us was Benny Elias, and captain for South Sydney was Mario Fennick. Wayne Pierce wasn't playing. And uh, first scrum goes down, South, tough pack. Um, a, a melee, a brouhaha started, punching. It was on for young and old. And the two hookers lined each other, so it was out, and they, they scrapped yeah, a bit of a fight there for a bit. And uh, as it's come apart, Benny's looked at the referee and gone, he's bit me, he's bit me. And he showed his hand to Kevin Roberts. Kevin Roberts looked. You just see the bite marks on Benny's hand. He's gone, you're off. Go to Mario Fennick. Go. He said, I didn't bite him, but I didn't bite him. He said, you're off. Go. Get off now. Go. But I didn't bite him. I didn't bite him. As it turns out, he got sent off. They played with 12 men for the rest of the game. And you uh, smashed them. And we smashed them. Because it was tight at that point, wasn't it? Oh, it was. I think it was eight all at half time. And, and, we, and we, won, we smashed them by 36 points to 12 or something. As it turns out, <laughs> in the dressing room after the game, they were talking about the bite mark and the blue, and Benny says, I bit myself. I said, you what? I bit myself. 
to get him sent off. <laughs> and Kevin Roberts had no hesitation in sending him off. <laughs> and so, how Benny and Mario these days? Uh, yeah, well, they, they don't send postcards to each other or birthday cards to each other. No, but poor, yeah, poor old Benny, he, um, he got the best better of Mario there. And uh, poor old Mario, what do you do when someone says that to you? Because if you make an allegation, in Kevin Roberts' defence here, the referee, if you make an allegation and you back it up with bite marks... yeah. Quite often you're going to you're going to send that player off. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He was ahead of his day, Benny. I'm thinking maybe uh, maybe Sean Johnson was wearing this new aftershave by VB. Have you heard about this? And maybe I have. Uh, Kevin Proctor was just he found it irresistible and wanted the taste. Uh, yeah, it's a new <laughs> product that was launched today by James Tedesco and mm. Wayne Graham. Ben Hunt was there. Um, I don't know if it smells like VB. You'd imagine not. But what about back in the old days? I, I mean, think I know it, I used to wear Brute. What, what yeah, did Blocker used yeah, to splash yeah. on after a game? Well, Blo- I remember Blocker had the old um, Brute splash on. He had the splash on. He had the little bottle. He'd always say, Jimmy, look at this. He splashed the bottle on. He'd go everywhere, all over his body. And I'd have the Norska. The old, I think I was the old Scandinavian Norska. Um, I think Ciro uh, probably had the, the Adidas aftershave. He was probably ahead of his day, Adidas, or the, yeah, the, the VO5. <laughs> That's possible. Um, but certainly Blocker, he loved the little bottle of Norska, uh, the little bottle of, of Brute. Every, wherever he went, it went with him in his little carry pack. Yep, and then it was over to Balmain Leagues, huh? And, uh, or a big night out. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I'm doing a book with Mark Spud Carroll at the moment. Apparently he had the biggest toiletries bag in the game. He used to pack all these products in there and did, he used to give his teammates tips on how to do their hair properly. Did he used to wear the gel too or the, or the wax? He actually had a technique where you would rub conditioner through your hair post-shower and leave it in for the perfect sheen and smell. Perfect sheen. Yes. That's a front rower. Can you believe it? Oh, anyway, smart. that's all in the book. I'll let you know about that a little later on. Now, uh, of course, uh, episode eight is brought to you by George's Fine Meats, Jimmy. Yes, the tenderness and flavour not seen in any other Wagyu like it on the market. It's the best eating Wagyu in the world. George's Meats celebrates 30 years of service and consistency, and the quality is and commitment to its community. First class over there in Cherrybrook is where they're located, Cherrybrook Shopping Centre. And it is 10% off your order at George's Fine Meats. All you've got to do is tell the boys this week's code word. And the code word, Jimmy, is? Is uh, Proctor. That's it. Simple. Proctor. Yep. Get stuck into some of the meat there at George's Fine Meats, just like Kevin Proctor. Okay, uh, Paul McGregor, he had his final game as St. George Lawara coach at Bank West Stadium against their bogey team, the Eels. The Eels went into this game having won nine of the last ten against the Dragons, but the Dragons really dug deep. They tackled themselves to a standstill. It was great scenes after the game. McGregor got handed the jersey by Cameron McInnes. Um, there was a lot of hugs and emotion. Within all that, you'd have to think McGregor would be thinking, guys, if you played like this every week, mm. I wouldn't be mm. out of a job. Mm. Uh, frustrating as well. A bittersweet feeling, I think. Yes, it was, it was good for McGregor to go out with a win. Um, he's been there seven years, and they showed plenty of commitment and, and heart to the, to the St. George Illawarra forwards and, and the whole team, actually. You know, I think they were, they were two points behind at half time, and they kept them scoreless in the second half. To, to Parramatta, which we know are a side that offload the ball, they're a very, very skillful side and score lots of points. But their defence on their try line was, you know, first class. And um, yes, it's been that sort of commitment has been missing, you know. You know, I think they are genuinely uh, sorry to see him leave. And um, you could see by the emotion after the game that it meant a lot to them. So, you know, um, it's, it's sad for his going. 
and uh, a young young Craig Young, young fella, he steps yeah, in there. Dean Young, yeah. yeah Dean, Dean Young, young steps in to replace him, so wish him well. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, they deserve that win. The Eels didn't deserve did. to win. Parramatta no. didn't throw much at them. They've been flat the last month. The Eels' uh, attack's gone right off the boil. There was a long break there by Dylan Brown at one stage, and they had the Dragons shot to pieces, and I saw Mitchell Moses telling everyone to calm down, and I just thought, no, that's when you should attack. You should mm. go for it. Don't worry the fact you've got five tackles to go, six tackles to go. Mm. Go for it now. Mm, that's there right. was a real mindset from Parramatta not to panic, keep things calm, but I just think they need to get back to using the ball and attacking mm. spaces. That, that was their strength, uh, especially when Moses wasn't there and when Dylan Brown was there. They had the ball, they'd keep it alive, they'd support, um, and uh, that was their strength. So to maybe it might be Moses. Maybe Moses being there has sort of brought them back a little bit, you know? He, well, yeah, well, he certainly has been told uh, by Brad Arthur to don't try and score off every play. But I think sometimes you do have to just put the foot down and go for it. So they're playing the Storm this week. No one will be tipping the Eels in that one, but I've I got a good feeling that Parramatta will be up for the challenge. Yep. Now how good are the Storm going? You know, they were a great effort on the weekend. Um, and, you know, without the two Camerons in the side, they just keep finding a way to win. Yep. They really just keep finding a way to win. They were a fantastic... Uh, the effort and commitment on the weekend um, to get them up was uh, was first class. Incredible. It seems ludicrous to say this, but I think they've been under the radar, the Storm. Everyone's talking about Penrith, even Parramatta, the Roosters, before they got hit with injuries. Everyone's taken their eye off the Storm, and they are flying. And to, to see them completely dismantle the Roosters at the SCG, even before the Roosters got some more injuries, Kiri and co., mm. the Storm were on top right from the start. And that's without Cameron Munster and Cameron Smith. They're an absolute... Machine, and it's a credit to Craig Bellamy, and they are going to take some beating this year. Yeah, they they certainly are. The, the, yeah, when you look at the side that they've got there, they're they're the no frills team. Their, their recruitment is first class. What they've they've, they've done, and the stars, yeah, Felici uh, Felici Kafusi, Brandon Smith has always been a star. Christian Welsh has come mm. ahead. What a player he's developed mm. into. Dale Fanukan, Dale Fanukan, he's just he never yep. lets you down every week. Uh, he's first class. Dogs could use him now. Yeah, absolutely. He should be back there. But it was a great buy by by the Storm and the two Bromwich brothers. It's just a, you know, I wouldn't say a no frills pack, but they just get the job done on the back of you know, Jerome Hughes. He was had his best game ever at number seven, um, and Jax was in there as well. So they were they're real they're really coming together as a no no nonsense team, and and that's they're a real threat. All right, you want to say one person's name? There's another player there in the Storm. Another one in the number one jersey. <laughs> the Prince Pappenhausen. How good is he going? He's going good. Eh? He's, he's, he's special. He's but, a special player, and good luck to him. You know, he's only played 20-odd games, and um, he's he's just a try-scoring machine. But look at that. You lose Billy Slater, yeah. and you think, oh, how Can't are we going to replace this bloke? And yeah. I'm not suggesting Ryan Pappenhausen is in his class yet, but mm. wow, to get someone like him stepping mm. in. He does everything the Slater does. Mm. Just the electric attack, yep. popping yep. up at the right time. Yep. Pop- Probably at the right time. The kicks. He's only twenty-one. He's not. He's not that big. He's probably only maybe maybe eighty kilos. Billy Slater was probably you know, 90, 95 kilos. So he will develop and he'll put weight on. And you know he's got that speed. He's got a he's got a good footy brain and he can kick goals. He an excellent um, kick. What uh, three goals in the weekend? I think it was. Mm. Um, I didn't know he could kick. So that's another string to his bow. And he's going to get better and better. Have they ever played at Bankwest Stadium, Melbourne? Which I found uh, interesting. I, I would have thought every team has played there by now. Do you, does that ever is that a factor if you haven't played at a certain venue? Um, it can be, yeah, it can be. Um, 
Or am oh, I clutching as an Eels fan? Yeah, you probably are clutching. <laughs> but I think it's like a home ground to everyone now, I think, out there at Parramatta Stadium. So many sides play there. Uh, I didn't like playing at Canberra or didn't like playing... Uh, Canberra was probably the, the most uncomfortable place to play at. Um, Henson Park wasn't much good. Uh, Lidcombe Oval wasn't much good at Lidcombe Oval either. But it does have an impact. But I think I think it's a bit like Leichhardt Oval back in the 80s. It's become a bit like everyone's home ground as uh, Parramatta study. Yeah, certainly uh, Leichhardt Oval. They play Panasonic Cups. That's there, right, yeah, yeah, for a long time. Uh, speaking of Bankway Stadium, I was out there uh, on behalf of the Eels in the Directors Club. I interviewed uh, Peter Volandis. ARL Commission Chairman, and uh, he was a really good chat. He's a Dragons fan, unfortunately, so he really enjoyed himself. You played with him mm. in Wollongong in mm. the under-18s. He mm. said he carried you. Is that a fair comment? <laughs> I used to, well, he would miss him up front, and I would clean up behind him, all the, making all these tackles for him. That's what happened. We played under-18s together, and he was a he was a bit of a tear-away second rower, is what he was. Um very fast, very quick on his feet, uh, had a good footy brain. I mean, obviously, he got a good sports brain in general. Um, you know, and, and he, he certainly could have made an impact there at the Steelers. Um, he was a very good schoolboy footballer, played a lot with Ian Millwood down there. Um, but yeah, he had to make a decision, but he was a, he was a very good footballer and he understands the game. And, you know, he, he played first grade down there and, uh, you can see just the way he, he understands the game. He wants to put scrums, but he wants to fix up these scrums, wants to get the scrums right. And, so, and that's being a second rower. He realised the importance of that in the game. Yeah, I put that to him about Parramatta's scrum win against the feed the previous week against the Sharks, and he just loved it. He spoke for about five minutes on the subject, and he, and he said something that I, I'm a believer in as well. Let's just tidy them up, including getting the backs out of there. Yeah. That comes back to what you were saying about Kyle Flanagan yeah. dropping in there for the Roosters, which was horrendous. Blocker was livid yeah. when he saw that. Yeah. And I totally agree. Let's just keep forwards in the scrums. Yep. Yeah. And get them back to some sort of normality. And I would even say 30 seconds is too long to pack a scrum. Packers used to pack a scrum in like 10, 15 seconds. Because they will wait 30 seconds. To, they'll go right to the max before they put put the ball in the scrum. It's got to be 15 or 20 seconds. Because you'll save, you over the course of a game, you might save two or three minutes of footy. Because it's, it's wasted time. They just wait to the end and they pack it. And and that's something that, that they can address as well as... Um, and I don't like seeing the big front rowers playing at uh, at five eight or, or centre as well. You know, they should be in the scrum. Let the backs be out wide and they should well, be in the scrum. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would you have big back uh, big forwards out in the back line? That's your opportunity to attack. That's you right. You should have your fleet footed backs out there. Yeah. Uh, he also I was very interested to hear Peter say that he actually regrets not playing through the pandemic. Hmm. He said they listened to advice from an expert and that advice turned out to be wrong. That yeah. was that Sydney was going to be absolutely ravaged with coronavirus. Wow. Uh, that infection rates are going to go through the roof, which didn't actually happen. Yep. And uh, yeah, he actually regrets not playing through. And he also said we will not be abandoning or watering down the six again rule, despite all these yep. uh, questions yep. that it's leading to injuries. Yes. Um, yeah, he's saying right. no. He's saying no way. We're sticking with this. In fact, he told the story that in in conversation with Channel Nine about broadcast rights, Nine said the Nine boss Hugh Marks, I assume, told him that. You need to make your product more entertaining or you're going to miss out on millions of dollars in the next rights deal. Mm, yeah, that's right. I mean, the fact is that they, um, when teams have just gone from 10 years of in the wrestle and 10 years of training in the wrestle, that's where they're conditioned to. And then come March this year, with a flick of a pen, the rules change. So all of a sudden, that 10 years of training is out the window. They need to do the obviously pre-season this year. It'll be more endurance-based, more stamina-based. You know, the players won't be as big; they'll be smaller. 
and the bigger sides are paying the price now from from 10 years of, of neglect by the game is being a poor product and now it's the exciting product so you can't have those 120 kilo forwards in the team you've got to have your 97 98 back rowers who are agile can play 80 minutes which is which is what made the game great back in the 80s so he's headed in the right direction yeah all the wrestlers are sort of looking around going what's happened to our game they're unemployed yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the roosters they have been hit hardest by the injuries uh, so many sideline, and adding to that, Luke Keary with a broken rib uh, a couple of weeks out. Lachlan Lamb, Mitch Orbison. Wow, are we writing them off as a chance oh, for three in a row? Look, they're a great side. I think they're they're really going. They've got to finish top four to get that that second chance. I I think they're going to struggle to get the top four. You know, with with the halves that's, that's not there. Um, they're fourth right now. They're, they're fourth, fourth right. But now. They've got a lot of teams. On their heels, yeah, just on the heels, yeah. Okay, they've got Sonny Bill coming back, but you know he's not he's not a playmaker, and and Kiri has got them through because mm. his ball playing ability. He's not there. Um, they're going back to um, the young fella from um, well, Kyle Flanagan will have to come in because Kyle Flanagan will have to come in the side, mm. but they haven't got a playmaker, and that's what uh, Kiri does. He he's that that that. He can from something from nothing. Also lost Orbison too, and Orbison fills in wherever you know he's from from centre to, to front row. They've lost him as well with a broken arm. So I think they're probably going to finish six in the competition. So I think they're really going to struggle. Sonny Bill Williams is out of isolation. Yeah. Would you throw a hail mary, run him in this week against your Tigers? I probably wouldn't throw him in this weekend against our, our Tigers. But you've got to think, Sonny Bill hasn't been here for six years, six or seven years. It's been a long time. And life has changed. Sonny Bill's now got four kids. You know, he's not Sonny Bill. The yeah, team. but he's played for the All Blacks. I don't care it, if he's they're, played they're for the team. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't, it's not what I'm playing. This is playing rugby league. This is the hardest competition in the world. Not, not playing the All Blacks. This is the rugby league here in Australia. So... You know, he's over there in Toronto uh, having flapjacks and pancakes there for a while. I think he, he's going he's gonna to take at least a couple of weeks to find his feet. Um, so, you know, You're just trying to protect your Tigers no, from well, SBW. No, I think, I, think, I think he'll fit in over there. He'll fit in there with the lattes and driving the Bentley around. I think he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll go well over there at um, City Ford. Our friends at the Seven Mile Brewing Company, they are doing great things on the beautiful New South Wales North Coast. They're also giving out a super smart T-shirt and cap to the first person to successfully answer our weekly trivia question. Now, last week, the question was, what was the best grand final, NRL grand final, ever watched by Gary Jack? Now, what is the answer, Jimmy? The answer is the 2015 grand final. Uh, which was played between Brisbane and North Queensland. That incredible is the, game. Incredible the, game. When they scored that try in the last, what, 30 Kyle seconds, Felt. Kyle Felt in the corner, Jonathan Thurston, absolutely <laughs> sublime what he did. And then to have the kick from the sideline to win the game, it which, hit, hit the post. Which that, took about three minutes. I was there and he just took an yeah, eternity yeah. with it. I was downstairs going, this is better than 89. Forget it, this is better than 89. And he had the kick and he's hit the upright. I said, so it's going to extra time. And then, you know, that's when, uh, yeah, lo and behold, it drops, drops the ball off the Ben Hunt, ben Hunt off from the kickoff. They go to a scrum and he just off his, off his ankle. He kicks it off his ankle. Yeah, wobbly. Wobbly to win the game in Golden Point. Oh, yeah. what an, what a fantastic into a grand final. Yeah. When he lined up that conversion, I was thinking, well, he'll kick this because yeah. it's all part of the script. So when he missed it, I thought, well, this isn't right, but then he made amends. Yeah, yeah. And like to kick a field goal, it's been some great field goal blokes in the years, but to actually kick it off your shin, 
over the over over the crossbar was a uh, incredible. Oh, it just just shows how much skill the so guy's got. The winner uh, via email was Connor Kelly. So we will be in touch with you, Connor, to arrange uh, that T-shirt and cap from the Seven Mile Brewing Company. Now, this week's question: We saw a couple of match-winning field goals. Speaking of field goals, Luke Brooks and Adam Reynolds, brilliant kicks with their teams under pressure. Reynolds winning it against the Cowboys for South. Brooks uh, for the Tigers over the Bulldogs. So the question this week, Jimmy, who was the greatest field goal kicker that you ever played with or against? Now, don't give us the answer now, but let's say who isn't yep. going to be your selection. Well, it isn't going to be Peter Sterling. It won't be um, Neil Baker. And it won't be. He was very good. He was very good. And Craig Coleman. And it won't be Eric Sims. Eric Sims. It won't be Eric Sims. Eric Sims kicked 86 field goals in his career. Well, he caused the rule to change. He caused the rule change. That's how good a field goal exponent he was. I didn't play with or against Eric, but it's not him. You're still offended because people thought Someone you played with Frank Hyde. With Frank Hyde there, yeah. there last week, yes. <laughs> okay, so there is the question. Now, who was the greatest field goal kicker Gary Jack ever played with or against? Send your entries via Twitter at TheFendHJ or email us at TheFendHJ.com at gmail.com. Looking forward to that. Let's move on to your Tigers. I've got a laughable text message from you saying the Tigers' premiership campaign is back on track. Are you serious? They led the last place Bulldogs 22-6 to and probably should have got beaten. Yeah, look, it was, wasn't wasn't good. You know, it really wasn't good against the last place Bulldogs. Um, look, 22-6, you think you got the game in the bag and they let them back in and all of a sudden with 10 minutes to go, they're, they're behind. Uh Benji Marshall was superb. You know, it just shows what a great player he is. I think he set up three tries on the weekend. He scored another try for Ricochet. Um, and he, he's, his brother, uh, Marshall King, he also set up a couple of tries as well. So it would have been a real family dinner, good dinner that night. Who's set up the most tries? Um, but, but the Tigers, you know, Luke Garner, I thought was was very good. And I was really p- glad to see that uh, young young Luke Brooks, he's, he had his head down. He stood up when it needed to be when it mattered on the weekend and dropped that field goal, you know, to, to win the game uh, when when it mattered. So congratulations to him on on a fantastic effort. But that you know they got home, just got home, thirty one thirty against a very very dogged uh, Canterbury side, who are who are a very good side, um, and yeah, you know, that they they were unlucky not to win. Yeah, that was 29-28, Tigers over the Bulldogs. 31-30 was Souths over the Cowboys. But the only reason I mention that is because in that game, uh, Josh Hannay is still waiting for his first win as interim Cowboys coach. But, geez, they blew that, the Cowboys. They led going into the final minutes. And then Adam Reynolds has done this. He does this for breakfast, wins games. Yeah, Uh, They had a great set of six, the Rabbitohs, to put him in position. But there was one piece of play there where the Cowboys are trying to strip the ball one-on-one. And uh, Totola, Junior Totola, was able to just keep pumping his legs. And he made another 20 metres while mm. I was trying to strip the ball. And mm. before that, Felt ripped the ball out to give Reynolds the penalty to tie the scores. It must give uh, yeah. uh, interim coach nightmares. Yeah, he kicked that goal to put it to put him level at a level at 30 all. And he kicked the field goal at the death there in the last yeah. 30 seconds. You know, he's playing some really good footy, footy is young Reynolds. And, uh, you know, when he runs with the ball, he's a much more attacking player. You know, it's a good win for South. Uh, Walker was back playing well again for, for the Bunnies, and um, those two together are a very good combination. Yeah, and they could well be the Smoky Souths. We haven't spoken much about them, but they are still hanging around. Uh, absolute thriller between Newcastle and Manly in Newcastle. Uh, Caelan Ponger, again, the difference for the Knights. He's really hit some form. 
Yes, he, he the way he zigs and zags, he's unbelievable what he can do on his feet. Uh, I think he's had a hand in two tries, um, kicked three goals as well. He was he was a difference. Really, Manly led 12-0, and then they let them back in the side. All of a sudden, they're behind by 16 points to 12. Um, he, his footwork, and and here's the difference. You know, Blake Green was, was, was good, not as good as the week before. But, you know, Kalen Ponga, that X factor from fullback, because he, he, he's unmarked, he's all over the field and... Uh, you know, he's, what he does is just ridiculous how, how, how great his footwork is, and he won the game for them at the end. Yeah, Devs Hasler, more bad news for him. Uh, lost uh, fullback Brendan Elliott to an ACL. That'll be season over. Uh, Tom Dravojevic, uh, he's still sidelined, so they're going to have to find a new fullback. I suspect it'll be Ruben Garrick. And Desi, your mate, wasn't too happy with the 11-4 penalty count, although he kept saying 11-3. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. You know, there's two teams out there, and it was, it was 11-3, the penalty count. 11-4, um, and, and they got, there was a definite, <laughs> just a definite hometown advantage. You could hear the crowd the way, every time the, the penalties have got for offside. You know, and Desi's quite clever the way he framed his question. You know, he's being sarcastic or he's being facetious is what he said. Um, and, you know, Cade Cusp, I thought, played very well for the Manly side. He scored an unbelievable yeah. try, Cade Cusp. One of the best tries of the year down that sideline. Solo try, yeah. Oh, fantastic yeah. what he did. And he's a, he's a star, but they miss what Tommy Turbo is to them is what Kalen Ponga is to Manly. And without Kalen Ponga, they don't win. Manly, without Tommy Tur- Tur- Turbo, they don't win. So it's it's just very hard at the moment. Uh, you can't replace him. But, yeah, good on Newcastle. They they had another win, and that's a couple of, couple of important wins that keep them in the eight. Joel Thompson played out the game for Manly with a split tongue. And when I say split, mm. think of a snake with the forked tongue. And that's what mm. it looked like. And Curtis Sirenen was kind enough to uh, post an image of Joel Thompson with his mouth open, showing everyone the split tongue. Thank you very much, Curtis, for that. I think people were throwing up their dinners all over the place. It was pretty horrific. Terrible. Did you, um, in your time, ever see any stomach-churning injuries? Oh, we had, we, when was Bow Main there, we had a... One of our doctors here at one time, I'm not quite sure what year it was, I won't say anyway. Someone had a split eye and he stitched up the guy's eye to his eyelid and didn't realise that the guy couldn't blink. <laughs> Hang on, so his eyelid was his eye, eyebrow? Yeah, stitched to his eyebrow. Wow. Um, and didn't realise till he's finished what he'd done. <laughs> so... Like get one eye open and couldn't shut the other, so they had to go back and and do it again. Um, that was wasn't real good. We couldn't believe that. Um, there's been some bad leg injuries, particularly around the mouth. too, some bad mouth injuries. Uh, like when I when I got my three teeth knocked out of me, you know, the other one went through my lip. That wouldn't have been a pretty good sight to see. Uh, even though I didn't, when I looked in the mirror, God, when I looked in the mirror, it was pretty scary. But Hey, um, is that where you went and picked up your teeth out of the turf? Yeah, I picked them up and put them in my sock and Warren Ryan was wondering where I was at half time and Blocker said he's out there with the touch touches of the ball boys trying to find his teeth. Did you find <laughs> them all? Yeah, I picked I've got all three of them, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that many, they're all together. They came out and they all yeah, within a foot of each other. Um Who got gotcha? you? Put him in my sock. Um it was Mark Graham. I went to tackle him and uh around ball and all and ball and all and he just put the arm up with the elbow with, with the ball in it and Clean me up. Wow. Clean me out. Uh, I didn't realise your teeth are about, about probably 10, 12 mil long. With roots and all. With roots and all. Just come straight out. Um, was the walk understanding? No, nah, he wasn't understanding at all. No, nah, nah, he couldn't believe. Well, yeah, it, 
He couldn't believe it. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't, I didn't feel a thing when I lost them. You know, I didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel any pain. Um, I thought I could put them in after the game. Um, and so if you ever do lose your teeth, put them straight back in. You've got about 20 minutes, otherwise they die. And when I got to um, Glebe, the dentist, to get fixed up, and I said, nah, sorry, no good. They're, they're, uh, they're gone. So They're gone? Yeah, I thought I could, could have saved them, but yeah, so. Is it true you have to put them in a cup of milk? Yeah, th- yeah. and that's the same doctor that, that did the eyelid to the eyebrow. He just said to me, oh, it's okay. Just put it in your sock and we'll go go and get it fixed up at the dentist, the 24-hour dentist. So he had a shocker. He had a shocker, that, that guy. <laughs> he had a shocker. Uh, what, injury, what injury that stands out for me, and it didn't involve blood and guts, was uh, Danny Peacock. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, he was a bit full, of a utility. Fullback full for West, yeah. West and crushes and... Yep. He dislocated his hip once, Ooh. and he, I remember his legs were at right angles to his body, and he was just writhing on the ground. I think it might have been against Newcastle. Yes, and it was just like, look away! I, yes. I can't look at this. That's a, that's a terrible injury. I actually, I actually tackled um, a guy called uh, John Mackay back in 1987 in a Panasonic Cup match, um, and he dislocated his hip in the tackle as he hit the ground. He just, went, oh. I said, oh, geez, you're right, and he wasn't all right. And I went back to fullback, and Roscoe Conlon was there. And Roscoe had actually did his hip uh, two years earlier. He said, uh, he's dislocated his hip. I said, how do you know? He said, you can tell by the way he's laying. That was me three years ago. Um, and a terrible position that really makes you, it's a sickening thing to see someone dislocated hip. Yeah, very, very nasty yeah. stuff. Speaking of nasty, it's time for Fend at the End. This is where uh, Jimmy gets a few things off his chest. Uh, anything bug you over the weekend? Oh, look, a couple of things bug me. I, I'm getting a bit fed up with these referees from dummy half when... When the guy actually passes the ball to the, to the man that's running past, he might be he might be half a metre inside and he'll call the pass. you call it forward. So, but it's an intentional forward pass. And it's a penalty. It's a penalty to the opposition. But no, they call a scrum just to neutralise it. Like it's, it's been going on for the last few weeks. On the weekend, the hook for, for Newcastle, he must have thrown two passes that were forward, the young fella that come on. And but referees just let it go. Like the rules are, if it's intentionally forward pass, it should be a penalty. But they never, ever call it up. Right, so you want to see penalties given for those penalties out of only half in particular. In particular, yeah, and I've also noticed too that players now, if they're defending, they'll be injured, but they'll be injured around the ruck, and then and then yeah, it's the all the tricks they come. Play out. can't go on because the players are around the ruck, and now they get their breath, they get, they get set their defensive line set, and then maybe half a minute later they come back, you know, or a cramp or whatever. It's just play on. We don't stop the game if someone's injured. We just give it to someone else to play and we keep playing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, we've also got uh, Big Gav on Twitter. He's not happy. He says, what's the chance of the NRL getting serious about trainers being on the field coaching sides and attack? Yep. Alfie has spent most of the last four years directing the Broncos' attack when they are inside the opposition 20. He has no other purpose on the field. Avalanger is talking about, of course, allegedly out there running water, but staying mm. out there a very long time. Mm. It, it is it is a bugbear of a lot of fans, and mm. the NRL vowed to crack down on that after the Roosters trainer in the grand final last year got in the road Yep. Of the Raiders. Yep, it's been going for a while. And poor old Alfie, he's, uh, he's not doing a good job at the Broncos this year. He's teaching them how to score some tries. <laughs> um, and in the last year in the grand final, that's exactly right. He was in the in the way, that trainer, and and he was there for a long time, and they, and they let him get away with it. It's just, it's it's not on. You, you, trainer comes on, he gives the water, and then he's off. He's not on there for a set of six, every set of six, to directing the team around the park. And that's another area that we spoke about last year to get fixed up. And hasn't yet been rectified. So hopefully, Mr. Valanis will look at that and correct that. 
with the stroke of a pen. Yeah, it's not under rates, and it comes back to what I was saying earlier. Let the players run free. Let them. You don't need people in their ear saying, "Make sure you run here and go yeah. here, aim at his shoulder." Yeah. Just, just play what's in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Go mate, for it. And as a player, listen, mate. I'm the first grade player. I don't. You're a Neville nobody that the trainer or the rubber with the water. Just get out of the way. Unless, of course, it's Alfie who's telling you. Yeah. But yeah, really, like Alfie, your day was thirty years ago. Get. We know how to play. Get get off the field. Yep. Okay. No one's going to say it, Dave. He's a legend. <laughs> but the NRL needs to do something. I agree. Well done, Big Gav. Jimmy, that's full time for episode eight of The Fend. Great oh, job again. Thanks, mate. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. Spread the word about the show if you feel that way inclined. Tell your friends even. And give us some feedback via Twitter at TheFendHJ or email us, TheFendHJ at gmail.com. We will be back next week. Until then, stay safe and most importantly, enjoy the footage.